Now may the words of my lips and the contemplations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight this day, O Lord. Amen. Now yesterday, as if we could avoid being reminded about it, was St. Valentine's Day. That annual celebration of love, or rather being in love. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't like to even try to count the many, many well-known songs, hymns included, that have the word love in their title. I bet you can call to mind a dozen without even trying. You don't need to do it right now, but I'm sure you could. All you need is love, sang the Beatles. And Jennifer Rush sang about the power of love. And back in 1960, the Everly Brothers wistfully sang How Love Hurts. Although I remember the version released in 1976 better, performed by a Scottish band, appropriately called perhaps Nazareth. Today we hear in our Gospel reading about a very different kind of love. A love that can hurt. Love for our neighbour, for the stranger. For the outcast. Now I'm not sure that by loving we will always know pain, but love always comes at a cost. Just ask any grandparent, parents, lover or friend. By its very nature, to do something out of love is to risk. Often the gains far outweigh the risks. But to act out of love is to make oneself vulnerable. To accept the possibility that we may be taken advantage of. We may be rejected. Or we may even feel that we look foolish or naive. And we risk being hurt. Coming off somehow worse than we were. Yet we still do it. Just ask those same parents, grandparents, lovers and friends. And in the time and context in which Jesus lived and taught, acting and behaving in loving ways was at least as risky as it is now. And one thing we do know is that nobody in those days would risk anything at all for a leper let alone treat them in a loving way. They were the unclean, the outcasts, forced to live on the margins, with no hope, precious little charity, and probably not a lot of faith, except perhaps the letter in the Gospel reading today. In those days, one of the worst aspects of suffering from leprosy was the complete social isolation it brought. The Levitical law was brutally clear about the treatment of lepers. And by the time of Jesus, the rabbis and scribes had added many more restrictions to the law of the governing lepers. So that if a leper so much as put his head inside the doorway of a home, the home was considered unclean. It was even against the law to greet a leper. 
When the priests determined that a man had leprosy, they would banish him from the village. He was no longer allowed to interact with other people. He had to immediately leave his family and friends and all that he held dear. It was unlawful for a leper to approach within 50 feet of a clean person. And if it was a windy day, the rule changed to 200 feet. He couldn't touch his family. He could only see them from a distance. Some families brought food and clothing for a while, but after a time, many families held a funeral service and regarded the afflicted person as a dead man. The leper had to tear his garments so people would recognise he was a leper. And every time he saw people coming, he was required to cry, Unclean! Unclean! The leper's cries would warn people that a leper was nearby, and people would pick up stones to throw at the leper just in case he came too close. So we must admire this particular man with leprosy, the man in the reading, for his rash courage in approaching Jesus. He is, however, more tentative, though, when he kneels before Jesus. If you choose, you can make me clean, he says. He has no doubt that Jesus has the power to clean, to heal him. He's just not sure that Jesus will be willing to clean him, to heal him. And we know that he uses the word and asks to be made clean. The Greek word for this is katalisai. The root of our root of our modern word catharsis. He asks Jesus to return him to the way things were before the disease struck, physically and culturally. It's like asking for his life back. Our gospel reading renders verse forty-one Jesus' response as moved with pity, but some older manuscripts have. Jesus being moved with anger. And why wouldn't Jesus be angry? Surely it's an appropriate response to such a devastating disease, to the ostracism the sufferers experienced, to the rigid application of laws that declared the leper's plight to be caused by their own sin. So maybe with both emotions, anger and pity, were equally appropriate the circumstances. I know I can be angry at human laws that put victims of pure misfortune in the role of authors of their own fate. And in case we might think that this doesn't happen nowadays, cast your mind back to the awful treatment of HIV AIDS sufferers in the early days when the news about AIDS was coming out. And indeed, what about people with mental illness? Homeless street people. I'm sure they could think of other examples. And whatever Jesus' feelings, whether they were anger or pity or both, Jesus did something considered outrageous. We are told that he put forth his hand and touched him. To touch a leper made the one who touches unclean, defiled, and was strictly forbidden by the law. 
Touching a leper, of course, could possibly also cause the one doing the touching to become infected as well. But what did Jesus do? He touched the man with leprosy. It had probably been years since anyone had touched this man, since he had touched those close to him. He had been isolated and utterly alone. There's a particular intimacy to touch that we can take for granted. Just ask older people, those who are not well, the depressed or the isolated in society. Certainly for me it's one of the most valuable tools in the hospital chaplain's toolbox. And we use it freely, but with appropriate care. There are few gestures as profound, loving and healing as human touch. Jesus could have healed this particular man with a word, a gesture, or even a command. But instead, he reached out and touched him. Now I wonder what this leper expected. Probably at best to be sent packing. And at worst, to be stoned to death by the crowd for his daring to come so close to them all. So imagine his surprise when Jesus simply reached out and touched him. Communicating with this touch, I love you just as you are and I am here to help you. And in doing so, Jesus does more than simply respond to the man's plight. He reaffirms his value, his dignity and his self-worth. He is made aware once again that he is a loved child of God. Here we are confronted by Jesus' surprising and radical love. Jesus chooses to make him clean. Being made clean is not just about sickness to health. In this context, it's a ritual word. It means being made whole to God and reconciled to community. And notice that Jesus doesn't say anything about repentance, but in reckless love, he simply says, I do choose be made clean. See, I believe that Jesus simply didn't see anything unclean, sinful, or deficient in this man with leprosy. Unlike Leviticus and the prevailing attitudes of the times, Jesus did not see this illness as punishment from God. Some things are simply misfortune, not judgment. Bad things happen to good people. The rain falls on the just and unjust alike. But at what cost did Jesus make the man clean? assume he knew the consequences of his loving gift. He knew that his life and mission would be all the more difficult from this point on. He almost certainly knew the man would not be able to keep his miraculous healing quiet. And so an incredible role reversal takes place in this story. The realities of the leper and Jesus are abruptly switched in a few short verses. 
the leper who was cast out of his and every community is freed from his ailment and able to return to his village, his family, his previous life. And by his healing acts of love, Jesus is suddenly the one who is suddenly too suddenly unable to enter a village without being mocked. Everyone clamouring for healing. Everyone wanting a piece of this Jesus, this phenomenon. Whatever Jesus intended for his teaching and mission was swamped by the clamour of the crowds. He would know no peace. He just couldn't be normal. And being the one at the centre of huge crowds in Galilee at that time was dangerous, as the evidence showed from the fate of John the Baptist. Whether the people who gathered around him just wanted his healing, or thought he was a teacher, prophet, king, messiah, or just a rebel rouser, such huge gatherings made the powers that be very nervous indeed. The crowds, his sudden fame became a threat to his mission, to herald God's new reign, to teach the good news of the kingdom. And so Jesus paid the price of his act of love in healing the leper. He paid it willingly and we believe knowing what the consequences would be. He begins his travels free to wander proclaiming his message and gathering crowds. But not in the early stages, mobs clamouring for his healing touch. So by the end of today's story, Jesus has traded places with the former leper, made clean he that he can now wander freely, while Jesus has become isolated and lonely. There is an exchange of realities between Jesus and the man whom he's healed. And the new reality for Jesus forecasts the role of sacrificial love that Jesus is willing to take for humanity itself. A role which involves giving up his life on the cross at the place of the skulls. This may indeed have been the point at which Jesus understood exactly how much his boundless love poured out was going to cost. Love hurts. But no love could hurt more than that which Jesus accepted as the cost of our freedom. So maybe we can all be just a little bit more reckless. Take a few more risks. Reach out in love to the stranger, the victim, the outsider knowing that we may be hurt, but doing it anyway. <laughs>